That's what I said. It's hard to kill a cactus. How did you do it? Wow. Welcome to Cloud Realities, a conversation show exploring the practical and exciting alternate realities that can be unleashed through cloud-driven transformation. I'm Dave Chapman. I'm Shelke Zal. And I'm Rob Kernahan. And today we're going to continue with an important topic of gender balance in tech. Uh, it's something that we are extremely passionate about on the show, and we're going to come at it from a slightly different perspective this time, which is... How do you break into tech, especially when you're returning from having children? But before that, Rob, as usual, has been wandering around holding his head and is confused about something else this week. So, Rob, what are you confused about now? Uh, well, Dave, this week I'm mainly perplexed about hybrid working and what's going to happen next. So 2020 hits, COVID arrives, we all have to learn very quickly to work remotely. Actually, what we find is it does work. Many businesses survived and some have thrived on the hybrid point. The pandemic is a testament to that, I think. Taught us fast, didn't mm -hmm. it? The chaos came and we learned fast to deal with the complexity. But now we see some organizations sort of demanding people come back to work. And many have built a hybrid policy, which continues to work in the vein and give people that flexibility that's so powerful. And I'm wondering if we're just going to end up resetting back to pre-COVID or if the hybrid patterns that are proving themselves to be working will sustain. So I'm a bit confused about where we're all going to end up with the old hybrid working thing. I mean, I've got to say, from a personal point of view, I'd be pretty disappointed if we just ended up back where we started. Me too. And I was wondering the same thing this week, Rob. So you're not the only oh, one who is confused. Oh, joint confusion. That's good yeah, then. Double yeah. trouble on that one. Yeah, yeah. And I just, you see, and the, the irony being that a very large company that made its business out of video conferencing has demanded its workers return to the office. And I just thought yeah. the, uh, the deep irony associated with that and that it got all over the press for obvious reasons. Dictionary but, uh, definition. Dictionary <laughs> of definition of irony. <laughs> um, well, not the Shakespearean version, but yeah, the new one. I think the big miss here for organizations that are so rushing back to the industrial revolution version of what work looks like yeah. is work-life balance, but not in the hey, you know, I've got work-life balance, but work-life balance in the way that it drives a level of satisfaction in your, you know, kind of employees' life and that their ability to bring their whole selves to work. In a, and I don't mean that in a cliched way, but in a, in a way that, you know, certain people who've got certain lifestyles might not be able to work in a, in a traditional nine-to-five way. So there, there is something about that to me that just seems wrong-headed, particularly in, in the sort of work where, really for the vast majority of it if you're just beavering away doing you know productivity work or something like that that most of us do you really you really do get a lot done by just doing it at home rather than getting disrupted in the office yeah. the whole time and it's the type of work as well and we've been talking about telecommuting since the 80s and the you know the tomorrow's world type view of the big yeah, yeah you can watch people on the video screen and then we actually get to the maturity of the technology and learn it through covid everybody says right back to the office and it's like um, i i i hope that we have learned and it'll spring back in the other direction. I hope so too. There's been a lot of big voices, haven't there, of the of the return to the office culture. I hope there's going to be some brave big voices that speak out for why actually hybrid is is extremely important going forward. Yeah. yeah. 
for instance, in the Netherlands, we have huge traffic issues at the moment. It costs society a lot of money. So that's also one of the reasons why we should stick on hybrid working, right? Well, right. Not, not to mention greener. carbon footprint. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So just, just like so many, so many reasons to, to keep stepping forward and accept the sort of way better new normal than we had before. So what you might also note today is that Rob and I are both suffering with some fairly heady calls. Although I do think you're seeking more sympathy than me, Dave, bringing it up. I was just going to let it fly, you know, <laughs> ride it out, hope nobody spots it, but you had to bring it up. Come I'm on. putting it out there less, less for sympathy, more for just giving me a bit of a break if I'm more waffly than normal. <laughs> or is the hope that there's a lot of little violins playing somewhere out there yeah, for you I, when they I'm, hear this? I think I'm it's okay more with, that, isn't it? I'm okay know? without the sympathy. You know, the sympathy's <laughs> fine. Just give me a bit of a break if I'm a bit haphazard today. But anyway, look, saving us from all of this confusion, I am delighted to say that joining us this week to talk about Supermums is Heather Black, founder and CEO of Supermums. Heather, Thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to just say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself and Supermums itself? Yeah, absolutely. Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So I launched Supermums seven years ago to help bring more women into the tech sector. And this was because we have a digital skills gap in technology and a lot of businesses are feeling that pain. And so we also equally work with those businesses to hire diverse tech teams. So It's really about connecting all of those dots and making sure the businesses really understand the amazing talent opportunities there are. And we are delighted to have worked with over 200 companies to upskilled over a thousand people globally as Salesforce technology professionals. And just, yeah, I feel like a proud parent, right? You know, they're doing amazing things in the industry now, seven years on. And so, yeah, I can't wait to share more about that with you today. So why don't we start with how this all came together, Heather? So why don't you take us back to the beginning of your thinking around Supermums and the situation that you were in at the time and help us understand the journey that you went on? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I found myself in a position where I'd been running a non-profit for a while and I had to rethink what I was going to do differently. Um, And I was just about to start a family and move out of the city. And I was like, oh God, what do I do that I can earn? as well as I've been doing before, but um, and also have flexibility and part-time. Mm. And was faced with a bit of a dilemma. And I suppose I had to come to a decision of like, well, what what is it that I could do? What are the options? It's like almost being back at school, right? Where you're thinking, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm confused. Um, and you know, what what do I where do I start looking for work experience? I mean, we had exactly the same situation at school, right? We didn't know and there was a milk round and everything else. Mm. Anyway, so obviously I went back to looking at what what was it that I had really enjoyed whilst working and the journey that I've been on whilst I was running the non-profit that I had been running for seven years, is I had started using Salesforce CRM for that non-profit. And I'd sat for a couple of years with these free licenses for a CRM and had no idea what it did or could do. And you only really get a sense of what it is when somebody shows you and tells you. And showing you was a key thing for me. I saw a demo, understood how they used it theirs. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Why didn't I know about it before? And so anybody listening to this that's, you know, not sure about what it is and whether it's a career for them is just do the research, ask people, get them to show you things and understand things because otherwise you never really know. And what that led for me was a journey where I implemented Salesforce CRM for my nonprofit organization. 
I had used it to manage all our delivery, our marketing, our sales, our customer service. And it helped me grow my nonprofit from 100K to 1.3 million in a year, from four staff to 40 staff. Wow. Because I was able to win more contracts, meet compliant requirements, do the reporting give confidence to people. And just to digress slightly, and it genuinely had that sort of 10xing impact. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And I was only 26, right, at the time. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I don't know, what, what am I doing? Yeah. So I had a very quick learning curve, but it was in- instrumental in helping me build my nonprofit. And I had then obviously a real passion for it. And, and on that journey, I was I was probably... I don't know if I'm so rare one of the CEOs, but as the CEO of that nonprofit, I was also the Salesforce admin. Um, and I had, you know, done the admin course. And the chief, chief team maker. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'd done the admin course with Salesforce and the advanced admin course. And so I was building the system myself. I was like, I can do this myself. It's fine. And um, after a couple of, re- of rebuilds through the training that I did, I, I kind of had a great system that did everything I needed and hence helped us grow. And, Within that nonprofit, it was very much focused on coaching entrepreneurs, young young professionals age 18 to 30 to help them start and grow businesses. So I was business coach by trade. We had 20 coaches at our prime. A lot of it was government funded. And the reason that that nonprofit kind of came to a halt is that conservatives came in um, and all the political funding changed. Mm. And despite, as I could for a couple of years, try to keep it going, the funding landscape had gone to favour bigger corporate enterprises that had the budgets and not the smaller non-profits on the ground. So it became very difficult to sustain that model, which is why I was at that point of going, I need to do something different. Now, because of my passion for Salesforce and having seen what it did, I did, again, more kind of explorationary work, understanding, well, what are these jobs? I didn't have a background in tech, didn't know really what it was, didn't know about the job skills. But when I started researching and looking into it more and talking to people, talking to people is so important. And I'll talk about why, how we do that and help mums now understand what it is. Mm is I got to realise I had lots of transferable skills and I didn't really realise it. And I was like, actually, I can do all of these things. Um, And there was additional training that I certainly did, but I had an understanding and familiarity with a lot of those things. So I repositioned myself as a Salesforce consultant, um, retrained, started working with nonprofits directly three days a week whilst having my first child, worked part-time completely virtually because she would only take breast milk for the first year. So that was it. But I was earning 60K, bringing in 60K, working three days a week virtually at home whilst having a newborn. And I did that for four years and realized that actually other mums needed to know about this as a career choice. Like this was definitely achievable, a great opportunity. There's lots of women that think that the jobs out there are you know, I, I can't have a career, I have to have a low paid job, you know, and a lot of the flexible jobs are, you know, say lower paid and don't necessarily sort of give you that variety. And so I launched Supermums with a passion to educate women about what is possible and to help them relaunch a career into t- the tech industry and talk about the six different job roles they could have mm. and, you know, help them set up for success. And and the biggest feedback I get from people is you've changed my life. And that is such a rewarding thing to have as part of your job every day. So, you know, seven years on, it's really exciting to see where we are now. Oh, that's cool. And then from a, where the, you know, the backgrounds that the people come in from to retrain into this new discipline. Is that a very diverse set of people that that you help retrain or is there particular groups you find who gravitate towards it more? What's the sort of starting position from those people before they take this change journey? 
Yeah, no, great question. I mean, everybody asks me that. I mean, we've had over 1,200 people go through the program now over seven years. The diversity is huge. You know, I've had people who've been florists, diamond retailers, teachers, lawyers, you know, accountants, HR people, um, customer service staff, you know, working hospitality managers. You know, I talk a lot about industry verticals. So Salesforce CRM is implemented in a lot of specific industry verticals. So having that industry background and experience is one specific area that you kind of want to align to because employers in the Salesforce space want to hire people with relevant industry experience, even above and beyond Salesforce, right? Because you can teach Salesforce. You can't teach them the years of working in retail or automotive or media Mm -hmm. or telecoms. And then there's a whole lot of soft transferable skills. So a lot of our talent, you know, we class as mature talent and that they already have management skills, project management skills, business improvement skills, communication skills, leadership skills, because they've all worked in previous roles before and so you know they bring all that to the fore so there's no real entry criteria as such and the blockers that they were feeling what were they if you could just dig into those things is it the fact that they simply weren't aware of what might go on in the salesforce world and the opportunities within that or is it specifically that they were put off by something you know you read quite a lot about things like the way that job adverts are phrased uh, can be very off-putting for people from Mm in specific situations. Have you done any work on understanding that and how are you cutting through that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think there's different lenses to look at this. You know, people assume that careers in tech is coding. So I talk about the six different job roles and I actually did a quiz where people can look at their parenting skills and attributes and then it matches them to a job in the Salesforce sector, you know, to go, actually, this job could suit you because of X, Y, Z and the way that you kind of parent. Is that like things like chaos management, <laughs> noise, noise management? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crowd People control. management yeah, generally, yeah. <laughs> So exactly like, you know, your different parenting styles. So trying to get people to understand, you know, their traits can align to a a career in tech and not talk about necessarily the tech bit of it. So I think that's one lens is like, well, who are you as a person and which job would suit you? The second is people sometimes think it's a scam. Like you're saying, well, you could earn 60k a year. Really rubbish. You know, I've actually been called like, you know, when I'm posting in these Facebook groups and people are like, oh, it's 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 not, it's not, you know. I think it's it's one of those things where you you can work from home and you can yeah. do this and, you know, know. 15 minutes and earn a million pounds yeah. well that's it right Month, so I have to yeah. be really careful because in some ways telling them what they what the salary is mm-hmm. and that we we share this average salaries right you know which is based on research and everything and you know they don't believe it and I'm like seriously you can do this and we we have to clearly articulate that look it doesn't mean just getting your admin cert and then you're going to earn that much. It means that, you know, these are all the transferable skills and experience you would need. Some of you might do it quicker in a year because you've got more transferable skills than others. For others, it might be a couple of years on that journey or, you know, three years. It depends on how much they study as well. So we we sort of share the timeline of what certifications they would need to do because you have to keep that lifelong learning going. You know, what transferable skills would be relevant because, again, there might be other softer skills they need to train up in and develop. So at Supermums, we added in our training course, um, our consultancy skills training course that teaches them business analysis, agile project management, 
management and change management because right. we wanted to provide that whole package of training rather than just the admin to say, well, we want to get you to that salary potential, but it's going to require you to invest in, you know, this suite of training if you haven't got it already. And, you know, obviously with that, you know, when I did the training and I invested that money, I'm like, well, I'm earning £400 day rates. So if I'm spending, you know, four grand on a course, I'm going to get that back in 10 days work, right? It's no brainer. So we have to obviously clearly show the ROI. If they're going to invest in a course, what the earning potential would be, how you would get there. And so it's a lot of education. I get them to write a career plan template, almost like if you were starting a business, you write your business plan template, because unless you write down all the things that are going around in your head, like, you know, this is the sort of job role that would suit me. This is the earning, but this is what I need to do to get there. These are my transferable skills. They have to write it all down and consolidate it for themselves to believe it. And then quite often they might need to share that with a partner or their parent or whatever, if they need to sort of, you know, they're asking somebody to put up the money for it, they need to be able to sort of show it and demonstrate it. So the blockers can be also that they might listen and hear, but then if their partner is the main breadwinner and they're going to try to convince their partner to give them two grand for something, <laughs> they have to do a business pitch to their partner. And I shouldn't laugh, but, you know, that's the reality, right? Mm. And so we've had partners come on the phone with our team because I have two full-time career consultants really who spend all their time talking to people who are interested, you know, and talking them through their transferable skills, what it could look like, you know, what the course entails to help them make an informed decision. And that might not just be them. It might be whoever else is funding this, you know, transition as well. So it's a lot of work educating people and being very sensitive of, you know, how people might perceive it. What it seems to demonstrate to me is just the amount of effort and work that needs to go in to connect <laughs> some talent to some opportunities. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Right, yeah. Now, what is it that you perceive that employers, and let's leave that completely generic because it is a problem, let's face it, in way too many of the world's companies, this. But what is it that employers, who actually, if you ask them, would be dying to take on some of this talent that you're talking about. But somehow the, these things aren't connecting without the help of somebody like you in the middle who is sort of coaching and, and helping them people realize that the skills that they've got. If you take super mums away for a second and, and look at the market, what's your perspective of what's missing there? And what should employers be leaning into providing to, to help with something like this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So Employers have said to me, you know, we want people with industry experience and these transferable skills. I think sometimes there can be a perception of what mums are. You know, it's, you know, there can be an assumption that they only want part-time virtual work, which for some, definitely, but not for everybody. You know, some people want to get out of the house. <laughs> Somebody wants full-time work. Somebody wants full-time hours, but flexible hours. So it's not necessary to still pick up the kids and work later. And, you know, so the, there's a perception and perhaps lack of understanding around, you know, what type of work people might want. I think a lot of the women coming back to work if I had time off are really hungry for career development and are really hungry to get back in. And they are so motivated, so fired up and so like, almost like 110% into this that, you know, Davina, um, who ran, won the Trailblazer Graduate of the Year Award through Supermums this year, you know, that two-year development journey I talked about, she did it in a year. 
Mm. And she's got a 20K pay increase, you know. So she has just like accelerated her growth because she's been like, I'm doing this and I'm going to nail it. But, you know, if I go back to sort of just basically to shed the light on it, she'd been a system manager previously, right? She'd been a, a system, a CRM manager. So she was familiar with those sorts of things. She hadn't worked with Salesforce before, but she'd managed a database for an organization. Um, and I was, and I like it now, it's my seven year anniversary. So I'm a bit in the reminiscent stage. But on the very first course, I had somebody who'd had a career break for four or five years, but she'd been a VP of CRM systems at Lehman Brothers previously in the finance, mm-hmm. right? And then we'd also had somebody who had been a technical sales engineer at IBM who'd had, you know, three years to replace them straight away in great roles. And so, you know, yes, these people have had career breaks. Mm-hmm. Yes, they've had kids, but their backgrounds are incredible. You know, their backgrounds are really transferable and people seem to be blocked <laughs> with yeah. thinking that. And I'm like, why? why? <laughs> no, um, so there's, there's a lot to offer employers. And I think what, to back to your points and Dave's question, it feels like you are the catalyst that is connecting two quite disconnected worlds. It feels like the corporate world needs to do a lot more to try and get into other areas for potential recruitment. So you're acting as that broker to get mm. people back into highly skilled roles. And that seems very rewarding and is working well, but it does call out that corporates might be too disconnected from places they should be hunting for talent, basically. Absolutely. Or maybe put in a bit more effort. Yeah, you could say that. Like yeah, you can actually. Could you try a bit yeah. harder, please? Because actually, what what you're yeah. doing and the stories you're telling very rewarding, but also providing cr- critical skill into businesses who, as as, as we said, can really need it and are desperate for it. Well, yeah, it's often bemoaned that the lack of girls and young women going into STEM subjects in schools is causing a pipeline issue for getting some real gender balance into the tech sector at the moment. And we've we've talked to uh, organizations like Women in Data and they reflect the same problem. And, and actually there's, there's this whole, what, what you're talking about here is this whole, you know, community of, of people who are coming back after having kids and, and taking the right, you know, the right, doing the right thing, taking time off to spend with their children and, and, and bring up children is a whole kind of untapped space in tech, it seems to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, obviously we're not representing all employees. There's some that haven't net, tapped into this great resource of talent yet. Yeah, but we've, you know, at Supermoms, we've worked with 200 companies to place talent. Mm-hmm. And they've been, you know, anything from big enterprise customers to Salesforce consultancies to small nonprofits and everything in between. And so some companies are really accessing this and have fueled their pipelines and have found talent to be incredible assets and so if you're a company listening to this that hasn't tapped into this then you are missing out (laughs) you know because you can be I've had companies unfortunately say oh we can't hire mums and I'm like what what (laughs) how does that how do you even get how can you get away with saying that it's just like what to me in time I was like how do I react to that okay because this immediate perception of I don't know it's really weird it's like saying like we don't hire humans (laughs) (laughs) get it because they assume that these parts you know they want part-time virtual work which is say some people do and maybe that's not right the right fit for that organization but rather than say that it's kind of like well what we're needing is this kind of skill set do you have any trainees and i say trainees rather than mums because 20 percent are 
20% are male that we've had through our program. Um, not all dads or mums, you know, we are accessible and open to everybody. But what's really like lovely is they all support our mission of what we're trying to do. And, you know, we've had 60, 70% on average per cohort who are from BME groups as well. You know, so we've got a really diversity, sort of diverse range of people coming through. And it's more about, you know, what is it the skills you need? It shouldn't be, I mean, you want a good gender balance, you want a good diverse balance. Mm. But it's, yeah, people discriminate before they've even walked in the door mm. um, because of the perception mm. for some reason. There's all those tests where they do blind CVs and they, yeah. they change various. It's, it's horrendous what bias exists, unconscious bias often in organizations towards people. That, that and There's a lot to be tackled like the STEM issue and this issue. It is rampant and everywhere. And is a, it feels like it's a massive mountain to climb to break to break the biases, isn't it? Well, we've talked about this quite a bit on the show that we're because the world's at a bit of a pivot moment with... The introduction of very serious artificial intelligence technologies that are already with us and are just going to accelerate over the next few years, that having that bias then taken from like, you know, the humans that have introduced the bias to start with and then embedding that in data. Coded it, yeah. Yeah. Just it just means that for future generations that same idiocy is going to pervade. And it seems it seems to me that there's many, very many good reasons to do the sort of thing that you're describing. But if nothing else, that seems like an absolutely critical mission right now is to introduce proper balance into teams and data and make sure, therefore, that how we're training artificial intelligence in future is going to have a better balance than the, the one that we've, you know, that yeah, sure. humans so far seem to have put into the you know system. Let's put it like that. So if you were going to issue a call to action, Heather, to potential mums that are out there that might be listening to this or that want to get back into the workforce or want to break into tech generally, what, what advice would you give? So my advice for those that are interested in super mums and exploring career opportunities, right, wherever you are, you know, come and explore Salesforce Career with Supermums as one of your options out of a few, I guess. Um, we, for example, offer like a five-day challenge where I share a lot of videos that I've put together and some things to look at to help you understand it. So don't sit there and think there's no options. You know, get you sort of get your market research hat on speak to people we have a team that you can speak to speak to other people in the industry reach out we can also make introductions and make you know some informed decisions about you know what are the options available and whether it suits you or not so you can tick that off the list and say yes or no thank you and keep doing that to find the thing that really excites you and that's you know some of the people that look into our course can make the decision very quickly because they're on it they need to make a decision now whereas we've had other people that will you know sit and monitor and review for a year or so because they're on maternity leave and are sort of looking at you know what do I do next I don't really want to go back to that other job so yeah don't be afraid don't think there's no options we're here to talk to you if you want to find out a little bit more Jack, what have you been looking at this week? So each week I do some research on related ideas and transformation in tech. And this week I thought we should take a look at to attract more women in tech, the industry needs to change. So it's a very exciting time to work within the tech industry. Great strides are being made to encourage diverse perspectives in the workplace. However, 
in today's much more progressive and democratized corporate landscape, we are still not giving women enough opportunities or the space needed to truly lead within the sector. So the tech industry needs to make changes in order to attract more women and encourage diversity. And to address this, leaders must unite to encourage more girls and young women to pursue education and careers in science, technology, engineering, and math. Female leaders in tech should champion the valuable skills and expertise that women bring to the table. And the industry must address pay equity and the gender pay gap. So a question. Do we agree with this or are there any additional steps that can be taken to attract more women in tech? So it seems to me, Heather, this is right in the middle of the problem that you're dealing with. And one of the dynamics that Shauki raises there is one we, we didn't actually touch on earlier. And You did talk a lot about how the work that you're doing can help open up new ways of earning for people who have maybe been struggling to break into the tech sector. But one thing we didn't cover was pay equality and gender equality and pay. Do you have a perspective on that? So we've done, we do some support around career progression, which is going back to this two-year plan. So um, I like, I get on my soapbox sometimes because I'm speaking to some of our super mums that have been in jobs, you know, maybe three, four years and they've hardly had a pay increase and they're worried about asking and they're worried about leaving because they've got a good deal now. And because I work part-time, you know, well, I should just be happy that I've got a part-time job and I'm getting paid. I'm like, no, <laughs> You know, like, you know, you want to have that plan. Now, if they haven't done any other certifications or anything, then, you know, arguably they've got more experience than certs. But I think, you know, there has to be, um, you know, the best practice or scenario that we champion within Supermums is like, look, what is your progression framework? If you've got a lot of stuff going on, you know, you can keep building your experience, but you can keep building your certifications and knowledge. And with that should be salary increments, etc. Um, you know, and, and promotional opportunities. And that might be, it's a discussion you need to have with your employer from the outset of getting a job. You know, what is my progression framework here? What is it I need to work towards? Where can I go? You know, what's my progression within this job role and job title? And what would it look like wider? And to be really honest with them up front to say, well, look, I am hungry to get to this salary. I know I can get there. I might be with you for a year and a half. If you can't offer me more than that, then that might be it. And then I might go somewhere else, you know. And I think you've got to kind of have, you've got to show your passion and enthusiasm of what you're wanting and where you're wanting to go because people love that. And they then know and can budget for it, right, if they want to keep you mm. and be aware of it. Because there is great career opportunities where you can earn well and, and women have to sell themselves they have to have that clarity and not feel like oh I should be just happy because I'm working and I'm getting that flexibility I think it, things in terms of pay equality encouraging and understanding what the benchmarks are you know within the organization for pay you know it's not openly talked about right but they might have to declare it you could find out, but I think everybody should have their job specs around and what the pay grades are and to understand that and to just champion your corner. And if you can get comparatives, then make sure that you feel like you're on the right progression framework and you're earning what you want to earn. I think one of the things that struck me there with those points was what the Supermoms organisation doing is creating that connectivity between a group of people who aren't quite sure how to get back or get into tech and corporates who need that that skill. And it also seems that, we discussed it a little bit earlier, that that needs to be established and curated and that catalyst function that you're providing 
that needs to just grow and grow and grow and keep going from success to success to 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 make it ever more you know you can attract an even larger audience um around now i was going to ask you have other organizations asked you if they want to replicate or copy what you're doing or try and use what you've got to expand the area of influence that uh, to attract even more into the tech game i mean there are organizations springing up all over the world to address the the talent gap within digital skills because businesses are hurting because they can't move they can't compete they don't have the talent and you know we we need to attract more people into this industry so there is definitely a demand i think having run this organization for seven years there is a very robust methodology to our process and there have been initiatives set up you know with with 10 percent input to kind of our approach and methodology that don't work because there isn't the formula behind it there isn't the 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 you know this is our full-time job there's 25 of us working in this team Mm. working globally to support you know a, a whole group of trainees globally every day it's not just a side hustle thing that you can put a little bit of time and effort into, you know, so I think it's better to not have lots of, I mean, yes, globally people can set up their own, but it's not just the thing that you do lightly. There's a lot of work. As I say, there's 25 in our team that goes into this. There's a lot of work and effort that goes into changing hearts and minds and bringing the right people in to then training them and giving them not just, you know, at Supermoms, we don't just give technical training. We, everybody gets a one-to-one mentor who they meet every single week with. They get a lot of practical homework where they're testing out and developing their skills. They get career coaching. They get the soft skills training. They get the peer community and all of those ingredients give people the confidence to launch into a new career. And then we continue to provide them with that community of support and ongoing professional development beyond that as well. And so we've built this community where people are still learning and developing and, and furthering things. And so there needs to be, you know, in order to, to address this gap, there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes. And I don't think people always appreciate that. Well, look, I'm so glad that somebody is doing that. Heather, I think you're doing amazing work and and congratulations with the progress you're making so far. And we wish you nothing but well for the future. Thank you. Now we end every episode of this podcast by asking our guests what they're excited about doing next. And that could be anything from great restaurant booked at the weekend to something that you're really looking forward to in your professional life. So Heather, what you're excited about doing next? Oh, I'm launching my new book, which is how to become a super Salesforce consultant. So um, <laughs> I'm doing lots of talks. Squeeze on the it. word super yeah. in there. Super, Squeeze of course. The there. Yeah. And I've got a whole trilogy of books now. <laughs> um, <laughs> over the next Lord of the Rings sequel. Yeah. Have you got your narrative planned out over multiple generations of Salesforce <laughs> yeah, consultants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> become a super Salesforce admin and then yeah. become a super mum, which is yeah, about yeah. balancing career and life. And so I I think I just I think going back to also a point that we talked about it's really important to share our experiences with others and to upskill people which is what inspires the next set of people and so my book is really just a compilation of everything that I've learned over 12 years around managing a Salesforce project and just being able to share that in a really digestible format for many more people to benefit and so it's going to be launched next month as part of our seventh year anniversary and so really excited about that to come up because it just feels like another really big milestone. Congratulations. We really wish you well with that. And thanks so much for joining us today and for your time and insight. Thank you for having me. 
So a huge thanks to our guest this week, Heather. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks also to our sound and editing wizards, Ben and Louis, our confused producer, Marcel, and of course, to all of our listeners. We're on LinkedIn and X, Dave Chapman, Rob Kernahan, and Xiao Kizal. Feel free to follow or connect with us and please get in touch if you have any comments or ideas for the show. And of course, if you haven't already done that, rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you in another reality next week.